श्री भक्ति विनोद परिवार की जाए श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए बहुत भक्त वृंद की जाए बहुत प्रेमानंद वेलकम एवरीवन early comers to the festivities here at Odaria and so for the benefit of all of us I'll speak briefly from the Bhagavad with regard to the importance of Sri Guru Sri Guru Dev ki jai so in Bhagavatam first chapter As you know, the sages at Naimasaranya, headed by Shonaka, they asked six questions of Sutta Goswami, who had been uh, appointed to, uh, selected to recite the Puranas and whatnot. What they asked him to talk about caused him to recite the, the Bhagavad. As he had heard it from Sukadev when Shisuka spoke to Raj Parikshit. But after they asked their questions, then they glorified him with a nice prayer. And that prayer in the following verse brings us to the end of the first chapter, which of course then begins with Sutta Goswami speaking. And what does he do? And he guesses. He begins to glorify Sukadev Goswami, his Gurudev, a nice section of Srimad Bhagavatam. And uh, it speaks to us about the fact that in order to effectively transmit spiritual sentiment, feeling, knowledge, understanding, grace is required. So we shall always try to invoke that grace by... With sound and uh, and prayer, therefore, before speaking, it's it's um, not just a formality that we offer our respects to Sri Guru, but with a, within a, in a, in a, with a plea and a prayer that we might represent him or her, as it may be the case, appropriately with feeling, with meaning, with understanding, in a way that will affect the hearts of others. So. What do they say? They say, well, it's a nice verse and it's, it's popular in Iskon in days uh, gone by. Uh, when Prabhupada was here, a lot of the devotees liked this verse and they obviously, you understand, we thought of Srila Prabhupada as they would uh, cite it. Tomna sandarshino datra lustaram nestitishitam kalim sattva haram pumsa karna dada ivarna. You know it, right? Yes, These two guys will know it. <laughs> They're from those days. So, from Nasan Darshi, Darshi to Datra. So he said, Prabhupachant Twam means you. He says, your goodness, your holiness. They have some respect in their in their voice here. Twam Nasan Tatra, that your goodness, your holiness, we've sandarshita. Sandarshita means 
it means to, to meet, to have darshan. Tvamna sandarshita, sandarshito datra. By, by datra we have darshana. Hmm. By providence, by God's arrangement, they're saying, we've met you. This is the idea of the connection between guru and disciple. That is arrangement of God. Don't interfere with that. That should be supported. That should be worshipped. We should give our... try to help that in some way. Or as Vujapachita Marsh would say, at least if you can't get out of the way, let it go on. This is not as any kind of a business transaction or uh, anything out of, out of this world, not merely a student-teacher relationship from whom we might, in an ordinary case, take knowledge and go our own way, you know, but to be taken in by that knowledge entirely is the idea. So it is an arrangement of the providence of God that we should... Sandarshita means also like direction, that we might find direction, that we might be directed. By providence, we've been directed. What does Chaitanya Charitam right to say? Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagyavan Jeev Guru Krishna Prasade Pai Bhakti Latavija. So, like drifting in a vast ocean of even, it's not plural in the verse, but even it could be universes. Generally, we stay in one universe, but there are many to explore. And we've been around for how long here? Long time. Longer than time can count. Anadi karamapale babanarnabajale It's like an ocean of been submerged in, floating, adrift for a long time. Pramanda brahmitekon bhagyavan. So bhagya means lucky. So by, this is says here, that's right, by luck, by good luck, by providence. Mm, of course, nothing happens by chance. <laughs> so it's God's arrangement. Mm, but that's grace, it's good fortune. It's our lucky day. What is that? Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagyavan Jeev. The Jeev gets lucky somehow. He wins the lottery. And it's like that. It's more than that. <laughs> you think it's folly to play the lottery. Does anybody here play the lottery? <laughs> okay, so, yeah, they would. No. So, so, we have our reason for not playing, but besides that, that's why so many edu- uneducated people win the lottery. They have these stories, uneducated game art shopper, now he's a millionaire and so forth. While these types of people are always winning the lottery because educated people think there's not much chance in that. That's just a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) Intelligent people know. And that's where you see what kind of stores they're selling it at and so forth. Lottery tickets. So, there's no chance for that. There is a chance, but it's it's not reasonable. It's like, almost like the scientists would say, the chance of life happening. It's... They think it's very, very slim. Lucky, hard talking. That's a lucky, lucky chance. Yeah. That the whole thing happened. Of course, we don't see it that way. But, but the, 
the odds are very slim. You may think, well, so many people have a guru, but how many people are in the mix? Jalaja Nabalakshani Stavar Lakshadim Shati Krimaya Rudra Sankhya. Puranasi, there's so many species of life, likes and likes of them, and and amongst them the human life is very rare. And amongst human beings, those even interested in spiritual life are very rare. So, if you look at the whole picture, so many, I mean, I said before that on the end of my finger there are more living beings than we could possibly even imagine. Numbers that beyond counting. To speak of in the room or in the forest here, so many. And just a, there's a handful of little humans and amongst them it's just a tiny portion. So this is lucky. This is like winning the lottery. Now, that's good, but what? There's also many stories of people who won the lottery and several, maybe a year later, they have another story about how he squandered his wealth. So be lucky to make such a connection. If you get money is one thing, and how you spend it, that is another. That determines your, your real wealth. So lucky to make such a connection, but we must do something about it, make something of it, so we must apply ourselves. At any rate, it's rare. It's a good fortune. This is, we should highlight it like this so we may pay attention and think, this is my chance. This is it. This is the way out and beyond. It's not, this thing, not easy. This is a long path, too. You should know that. It's going to take a long time, and there are going to be a lot of trials and tribulations. Don't give up. Don't give up. Understand this point, what the good fortune is. This my connection with Sri Guru this has been arranged by God. He's come to me in, in a way that's just fit for me to take advantage of. He's concerned with so many things. And in the highest sense, surrounded by so many, endowed with such extraordinary love. But he's taken the time to commission someone to come to me through someone, personally. So this should be highlighted, this should be underscored, that we might take advantage of this opportunity. Brahmanda Brahmite Kon Bhagavan Jeev Guru Krishna Prasade Bhai Bhakti Lata So what is the, the fortune of the Jeev is that he becomes lucky. God, this is what it says, God brings him to the Guru. It means God brings him or her to himself. Through the Guru. Sakshadharitvena. Samastha Shastraya. It's not just here or there. Samastha Shastra, for all the scriptures it is declared. Sakshadhari. The Krishna's come to me in no more significant way than in the form of Sri Guru. So they know this here. So, Tvamna Sandashito Tatra. We are fortunate to have to be directed in this way, to make this connection. Dushtaram. He's saying the same thing, because what? This material existence, as it is sometimes compared to an ocean, as if I was, we were adrift in that, what would our chances be? Hmm? Not only is the water deep and the waves are high and the shore are far away, but there's so many, who knows what lives beneath the sea, who could come and gobble us up. It's a chilling thought to be dropped in the middle of the ocean. Then he's used the word here, insurmountable. 
Krishna says the same thing in Bhagavad Gita. What does he say? Mama Maya Duratyaya. My Maya is Duratyaya. Dushtaram. It's insurmountable. Mamevaye Prapadyante. Mayam etam tarantite. But it's comparatively easily crossed over compared to the insurmountable nature of it. If one surrenders to me, and how do we surrender to Krishna? That means through his agent. There's no more direct route than this. So they say, we've met you by, we lucky, thank our lucky stars that we've met you. We know it's been arranged by God. And we have a formidable task to cross over this material ocean. We have a desire for that. And this has come to help to, to meet our desire. We have a desire that's to cross over uh, insurmountable odds. Still, we're, we're going for it. Something like that. And we think it's possible by your connection. It's a crazy idea, but by your connection, we think that such a thing is possible. Kalim. It's Kali Yuga, they say. Sattva Haram. And in Kali Yuga, Sattva Haram, Pumksam. All good qualities are are gone, practically. So they're saying, not only is this generally the case in material existence, but there were better times, for that matter. And they're gone. And all good qualities with them. So they're underscoring it that much more. Karnadhara Ivarnavam. And so we we think that uh, you're like the captain, helmsman, captain on the ship in this ocean. And by getting on the boat with the captain, we can we can go to the other side. Let me read Prabhupada's beautiful translation. We think that we have met your goodness by the will of providence. Just so that we may accept you as the captain of the ship for those who desire to cross over the difficult ocean of Kali, which deteriorates all the good qualities of a human being. It's a nice uh, word, Karnadhara. Karnadhat comes in another place in Bhagavatam also. Akritam Karnadharam Jaladhu. Baniya, he said, in the prayers of the personified Vedas, this idea comes. They say, same thing. Akritta Karnadhara Jaladhu, in the, in the ocean. Then you, the guru, is the, the helmsman, can take us to the other side. They say it in the context of speaking about those who, who don't take advantage of Sri Guru. He calls them, they're, they're called like uh, businessmen. Like what it was, Prahlad said, don't be a merchant, don't be a businessman, be a servant. Don't make this a bargaining affair. I give so much and you give so much back. You know? We come to give all without even thinking that we are old would speak of, expect anything. So those who don't do that, Bhagavatam says, using these same terms, they're like a person who's, like a businessman who's set sail, businessmen who have set sail without a captain on the ship, go on the market their wares, only to, to drown, <laughs> sink in the ocean. So no, we need the helmsman, 
It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And helmsman, what? Karna dhara. Karna also means, karna means ear. Dhara means like uh, holding the wheel. So they're like pulling on the ear. Like in school days, when I was a kid, they would pull on your ear. They're not listening. So this is the principal way, of course, how Gurudev comes to us. So we should listen carefully. He pulls on the ear. It is said by oral reception, we will, we'll know. Hmm? And in his explanation of this uh, verse from Paris of Personified Vedas, Vishwana Chapatitakur says the seed for the Guru, Guru Mantra, Aing, he said. This is the basis of open the door for transcendental knowledge. He cites another verse too from Bhagavatam, seventh canto. He says that Krishnarada is speaking to Yudhisthira. It's very, very difficult uh, to cross over the influence of sattva, Fabrajas, Tamas, and sattva, the modes of nature. This is very difficult, and there are implications. There are a lot of different approaches to doing that, but it's very difficult. However, etat sarvam guru bhaktya. By exclusive, uh, one-minded service to the guru, he says, it becomes very easy. This we call uh, Guru Bhakti. We should do Bhakti, and in the context of doing Bhakti, we must serve the Guru. Rupa Goswami has taught us about Bhakti, right? How to execute, in proper language, devotional service. We call it Sadhana Bhakti. Guru, when Rupa Goswami begins to explain Sadhana Bhakti, what is the first thing that he says? Guru Padashraya, Diksha Shikshadi, all these things. Three, four, five things related to Guru. First thing he says, first thing from his mouth, I'm going to talk about Bhakti. He explains what Bhakti is, what makes one eligible for Bhakti, and so forth. Now, the actual execution of Vishnu Bhakti. When he wants to speak about that, this is the first thing he says. Guru Padashraya. So, serving the Guru is included in Vishnu Bhakti. You cannot do Vishnu Bhakti without serving the Guru. How people can overlook these kind of points is mind-boggling. You know, day and age, as, as, as it's often the case. Guru Padashra. So you cannot serve Vishnu without serving the Guru. But what Vishnu has cited in this uh, commentary, speaking about those who don't take advantage of the Guru, who are like like a ship without a, without a rudder, something like that. Well, don't listen submissively. Don't give submissive oral reception to the message. They are lost, and to, and to contrast that, he says, in one who simply takes shelter of the Guru, then very easily he crosses over the influence of Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas. So he's coming to the other side in this citation. What is that? That Vishnu Bhakti includes Guru Bhakti. You cannot worship Vishnu without Guru. I mean, you get the mantra, because you're a card-carrying member, now you can worship the, the deity who corresponds with the mantra. The deity has a mantric representation, so we get that through, from the Guru, through the, through the ear. And then we honor the Guru and employ the mantra in the service of the Deesa. Guru makes it possible for us to serve Vishnu. So, and Guru Bhakti is inside of Vishnu Bhakti. So you can't do Vishnu Bhakti without regard for the Guru. 
but when he cites Narad speaking to Yudhisthira, what is his point? He's saying, "This is I want to give you a really inside track here, he says. Crossing over the attachment to the modes of material nature is very difficult, but it's very easy by exclusive devotion to the Guru. He, he means to say this by this alone. This is a really ex- extreme point, because what is Vishnu Bhakti? Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Bandhanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani Vedanam. All these things, right? Hearing about Vishnu, chanting about Vishnu, remembering, offering prayers to him. This is Vishnu Bhakti. And in that context, of course, we also have regard for the Guru. What is he Narada saying? He's saying, even if you don't do hearing, chanting, and all this Vishnu Bhakti, but you just do Guru Bhakti. If you make Guru Bhakti, the Angi, and Vishnu Bhakti, the Anga, instead of making Vishnu Bhakti, the Angi, and Guru Bhakti, the Anga, you understand the terms? Angi means like a body, and Anga means the limb. So if, if, Guru, if Krishna, Vishnu Bhakti, as it's normally understood as the Angi, is the whole thing, then the limb of that is Guru Bhakti, serving the Guru. Again, Rupa Goswami is explaining Vishnu Bhakti. And he says, Guru Padashraya. I'm emphasizing it. It's important. This is the first thing he says. This is the first limb, Anga, of, of Bhakti that he speaks about in the context of explaining all that constitutes Vishnu Bhakti. But now to, re- to reverse that, this is a very extraordinary idea. That even if you don't do what is considered normally Vishnu Bhakti, hearing, chanting, and so forth, but you just serve the Guru, you think, well, how to serve the Guru means to follow his instructions to hear and chant and so forth. That's true. That way he deceives us. <laughs> that way he keeps some, keeps some distance from us. Telling us you should hear and chant and serve Vishnu. But if we really pay attention, we know Vishnu is there in you more than anywhere else. There's nowhere I should pay my attention more, even more than to chanting. This is, sounds very radical. And hearing and remembering, worshipping the deity and so forth. Yes, that's service to you in the context of, well, you're teaching that, you're teaching Vishnu Bhakti. And, but when we speak of Guru Bhakti, the way an artist there, we're speaking about such a deep understanding, isn't it? Again, of how this opportunity has come to me, to what extent. That means to put on his shoes, to bring the tea, to do run here, there, this, and all these things on the order of the Guru. We can put down the beads for that. This is blasphemy in some people's understanding. But they don't understand bhakti very well. This is the secret of bhakti. And he's saying, just by doing that, that's the all. What is service to the guru? Yes, it's all these things, hearing, chanting, and so forth. But guru has some necessity in this world that he or she may tend not to pay attention to. Some roof over the head, some personal things, some opportunity to do that. This is the inside, inside track. The teaching is just by doing that, 
this is a very special circumstance. And Krishna, Vishnu, is more pleased with this. And the proper understanding, of course, as I'm explaining, than by hearing and chanting. So how important, they have understood, how important is this connection? We should turn our ear to this and listen very carefully. Parnadhara, he said, we said we, the Vaishnava sees through, through hearing. So you, you have to pay real close attention when hearing to catch these kind of points. You pay close attention, then you hear and what the Guru has given in the books and so forth, and they, these things will stick out. Right. A secret inside track for making progress. So we had the good fortune personally sometimes to render some personal service to to Prabhupada. Those were very special moments for all of us uh, who are personally involved. So here we have an intimate setting and we have uh, and we invite you to come and stay here as often as much as you like and bring me some tea in the morning. <laughs> this is the sum and substance of all the teachings. It's hard to fathom such a thing, but this is what the Bhagavatam is saying. <laughs> and these sages have understood this. And so they offer their respect to him. In this way it's possible they may get some some understanding. Any question? Yes. Practical service, and I was thinking about how oftentimes I notice when I'm doing like the practical service, I I don't feel like joyful or like anyway spiritually elevated. I feel stressed out and frustrated and in a bad mood. And so, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> well. I'm sure each instant is is a little different, but we should know that bhakti is not about um, anything other than serving. I think it's a question of understanding what it is what it is that we're after here, and serving. There's always going to be some some difficulty in that. How you perceive the difficulty that depends upon how well you understand what what you're doing, but we don't find the greatest devotees have no difficulty. We find their lives are full of so many difficulties, so many trials and tribulations, and, and you know, those are the ones we hear about. The strife of the Pandavas, the struggle of the Goswamis, even Sanatana Goswami was put in jail. And we don't hear him saying, well, you know, I was doing bhakti, and here I got put in jail. It doesn't seem real blissful, Rupa, what do you think? <laughs> so, um, that's you know part part of the territory. Servants' life is you know is is not the king's life. It's it's not the, uh, the royal um, royal seat. So it's a, there'll be some labor. There'll be some perspiration before there'll be tears. Something like that. There may be tears. Why I'm not you know why I'm so stressed out. <laughs> no, I'm, but I think it's a. It's, it's the answer to your question is, is that it's a it's a question of understanding and contemplating consciously what you're doing, why you're doing, being a little thoughtful, and more thoughtful, and um, even then there'll be physical. You know, you might get exhausted and tired and all. You know, run, run in 
and uh, Gurnishdu are working so hard over there. I've become sick now. They're, they're sick for the weekend. <laughs> so that's part of the territory uh, in one sense. But uh, you're wondering when it will become blissful. See, now you have to stop thinking about that. <laughs> don't look for the bliss, uh, but look for service. And the more you become a servant, the more you'll become happy, actually. That's your natural position. You're resisting. You're stressed out. This, you're thinking, well, I have to do this. I have to work so hard. You have to think, well, why not? <laughs> why should I not? Who am I? What am I? Who am I serving? What, how did I get here? What, what am I doing? And you start, you really start thinking like that. And you think, well, wow. <laughs> if, I could, if I could do anything here, I'm, I participate in any way, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have nothing to complain about. So, in the beginning, of course, then we don't have that. We're not able always to connect that practical service with the philosophy. So we can connect hearing the Bhagavatam. We can connect seeing the deities, chanting, and so forth. It's overtly spiritual, right? Then to make the connection with just all kinds of practical service and mundane, what would be ordinarily mundane activities and whatnot, it's a little bit more difficult. But we have to think of the inhabitants of Vrindavan, you know, they're not just going to Arctic or anything like that, or hearing a chanting. <laughs> they're doing so many chores, milking the cows, and, uh, you know, cow herding life is a, lot of, is a lot of work. So, I think it's a question of um, making that connection. Therefore, in the beginning, sometimes we do emphasize for the students to hear and chant and and then stand more and so forth, more classes, more, you know. The classes aren't the end, and all the talks. <laughs> Milking the cow, that's the end. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the talks, that's the end of the books, and it all ends there. So, but to get there and understand that, that just these ordinary activities, that's it. And even they make you stressful sometimes, this is the whole thing. Yeah, that's hard, that's very abstract. And, Difficult to. We're trying to get away from all that. <laughs> See, that's the problem. Is we have this some tendency for for getting away, liberation from the stress and, and so forth. So then we have to retire that. Gyan karmadi and avritam. I don't want to be stressed. Why? Krishna's service. If you understand, of course, there's no stress in it. We don't understand it that well. So we're. As you're in the bodily conception of life and, uh, and you're not able to make that connection always, so the labor itself stands out rather than who it's being done for and why. I mean, Arjuna was probably pretty stressed on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. What do you think? He had to kill his relatives and everything. It's like, this isn't really a whole lot of fun here. That's not what we signed on for, you see. I mean, Prabhupada was a little tricky. He said, Chan, be happy, but... <laughs> The real teaching is to chant and be unhappy. That's Mahabhubu's crying and crying and crying. So, yeah, it's just about, uh, about, about serving. So, think about it. Try to conceptualize what you're doing, why you're doing it. That, that you know, that's a good exercise. Well, yeah, going over that in your head. 
Mm. And when you feel, actually when you're working hard for pressure in a situation like this, there's a lot of things going on, there's some stress and so forth, it should cause you to think philosophically, like austerity should cause you to think more philosophically. How am I going to deal with this? I'm hungry. I've been fasting and I'm, I'm cooking <laughs> for everybody. I've got to cook for a hundred people and I haven't eaten myself. And, and I can feel that. So those pains that we get, that should cause us to think, well, why am I doing this? This is uncomfortable. This is making me uncomfortable. So why? I'm, and then we, the philosophical mind comes to take over and, and then we become prayerful, even. And see, I'm doing this, this, this labor and, and I'm not like Mother Yusoda. She was laboring. She was, she was perspiring, trying to catch Krishna, tie him up, perspiring. She was in anxiety and, and all. I'm like that, but I'm different at the same time. I'm not the model of, of love for Krishna. What's, the, what's her feeling behind all that stress and anxiety that she's going, to, going through? So the pain, the stress, the anxiety, the, the labor, and so forth, we, we feel it. So when you feel it, then you should think about it. And then you start to think philosophically about it. And then from thinking philosophically, you start to think prayerfully. Because when you understand it philosophically, you say, oh, this is my position. See, I'm actually doing devotional service, but I'm not, I'm not feeling happy in that. It's not a labor of love and it's only with, we become prayerful and and then all of a sudden it's like a cloud comes over our head and the rain pours down there and the whole kitchen turns into Goloka Vrindavan it happens <laughs> and you get a glimpse of what it was so all that's meant to make you prayerful make you cry that's what we're trying to do here to make you cry you came here to be happy we're trying to make you cry <laughs> so when you actually cry really from the heart I have no see you just see my situation here this is what it really is philosophically and I have no I'm not making a feeling connection with that and you just pray with all your heart why can't I see this for what it is why can't I'm in Krishna's kitchen for example you know I mean, this is what I'm doing and then and it's Radharani's, you know, it's a sacred place. And because of that cooking of Radharani, Krishna had the strength to defeat all those demons and so forth. It's such a esoteric idea to cook for Krishna, for example. I mean, that's what you've been doing a few days. That's why I'm just mentioning that. And that's a lot of what goes on here. And cooking, you know, it's it's it can be a lot of work, actually, especially when it's for a lot of people. And you've got to do it right and so forth. And, we got to try to do it right anyway. So, why am I not seeing it in that way? See, this has to come to your mind, and then you have to become, as I say, prayerful. And you become really prayerful, then you'll see. Then all of a sudden, Krishna will give his mercy to you, and the walls will start to melt, and the pots will start to talk. T- turn me a little hotter over here. <laughs> they say, actually, the pots will talk to you, tell you how to cook. And kind of, you should think that this is this is this is possible. The whole all the paraphernalia becomes alive. I see myself as a servant of the pot, servant of the spoon. Das Vaishnav Das and Das. The spoon says, "Lift me like this, pick me like that," and everything becomes just effortless. I'm holding the spoon, and the spoon is going where it wants to go. <laughs> and this, 
That's absolutely effortless. Everything makes sense. Everything has order. There is order. See, we're not seeing the order. There is an order <laughs> to it all. Radharani's still cooking for Krishna. We're, we're the worst instruments in the kitchen, that's all. <laughs> we're the only ones that, that resist. So, really, I, I tell you honestly, you have to become very uh, prayerful. You know, I had an experience many years ago that uh, in uh, in Los Angeles, Prabhupada called it New Dwarka. We were living there, and, and uh, I was going out every day selling books, and um, one day... I got back a little early. It was about 3.30 in the afternoon. There wasn't very many devotees around. And the devotee who was making the offering for the deity saw me and said, Oh, Tripurari, you're a Brahmin, right? And I had been initiated, second initiation, not, not maybe a few months back. And I said, Yeah. And she said, Well, so-and-so who was supposed to do the offering didn't show up and we need somebody right away. So I went quickly and I bathed and put on the Vishnu tea lock and all. And I thought, wow, here I get to go on the altar here and make the offering. Maybe it was the first time I made the offering or something like that. I was so excited. I went into the kitchen and there was a fruit plate, you know, and a cake, you know, some nectar drink or something. I arranged it all and went on the altar. And it was just totally ecstatic experience. And, and then, then and she said, then the guy who was going to make the Arctic, we had such a system that someone would prepare it, someone else would offer it, someone else would offer the Arctic. So many people were eager in line, and we had a queue and a, on a list of people who would, what was their day and their time that they could come and serve. And if you didn't come like that person, shh, to the back of the line. You know, mm-hmm. hmm? To serve the deity. So there I thought, wow, this is such a great service. You know? And I kind of just floated out of there and... Uh, and I thought, hey, you know, this is really, I'm out there selling those books and it's not always so easy. You know, people are mean out there sometimes. It's hard work and I'm trying to remember Krishna, you know, and, and I'm there and sometimes I wear secular clothes and people blowing smoke in my face and there were more smokers out there at that time. And, and, uh, and I, I thought, you know, these guys are staying back at the temple. You know, it's like observing the deity constantly. And this is just the place to be. So... <laughs> I started to think like that, and then I think the next day was like Sunday, and I thought, I think I'll just, I think I'll take the day off today. You know, I used to go out on my own; it wasn't like an order or anything like that. But I thought, I think I'll just stay back today. And, then, and so then I, I came around the kitchen, and they said, "You want to help in the kitchen?" I said, "Yeah, I think I'll, you know, I'll do help in the kitchen." And uh, so I was you know, trying to enjoy myself in a, in a sense. <laughs> Krishna's service. So, so then one uh, lady said, "Okay, you c- cook a peach peach chutney." I said, "Okay, that sounds great." You know, but, and so she said, "There's the peaches over there," and there was like you know about ten crates of peaches. Here's the pot, you know, like this was cooking for you know, a few hundred people. <laughs> Cut all the peaches, you know, and put them in the pot, you know, and this is this big. <laughs> wooden stick like this, you know, and I burnt my hand, and, <laughs> and I got stressed out, and all, <laughs> and then I had a, just, you know, really good, uh, well, you can obviously understand the point, I had a good realization, and I was back out on book distribution <laughs> the next day. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have to, uh, anyway, I, you know, 
I became prayerful, as I say. So when it becomes difficult, then you have to become prayerful. I used to uh, even sometimes say, sometimes our conditioning, and it comes to the fore. We, we're giving our all in all, but we have our conditioning that's like a brick wall that we run into. And although we're trying our, our best, and still we meet our conditioning. We may go into ecstasy for a day, a week, for a month, and then come back out again in time. You get so absorbed in ecstasy for a, a day, maybe an hour. So come back out for a day, for two days. You even go to bed, you wake up, you're still in ecstasy. For three days, for a week, for a month, and still you might then come back out. Oh, and then all of a sudden you're out. And it's kind of ordinary consciousness, external consciousness. And then and, and, and Krishna seems to have like kept himself away. He felt like he was, just, he was right there to reach out and touch, and the name was just dancing on your tongue and, and so forth. And suddenly, again, becomes like a bitter pill to chant Hare Krishna. Jaws, sore from fainting, blister on your fingers, or something like that. So then, uh, those are you know difficult times, and so so I I used to like take the difficult time like that, coming out of the trance, and and how to get back in. What did I do wrong? Where did I go wrong here? Then that would be a time where you had to just make an extra effort and be more prayerful. That's where you really had to. Had to shed tears, cry that you, you know, cry that you couldn't really cry for Krishna. And so, those are times to make progress, not to become disenchanted or frustrated. Those are times to, to now really apply yourself, and you have to apply yourself, as I said, with heartfelt feelings. You have to pray, and um, and when you do that, then you, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll have a breakthrough. That difficulty comes and you take advantage of it to really just push yourself prayerfully, then you'll get these openings. And all of a sudden, the whole picture will change. As I said, the pots will start talking to you, the spoons will start talking, everything makes sense, everything's all perfectly arranged. And you're in harmony with what's really going on. We're somewhat, you know, against going against the current. That's the problem. I'm sorry for the long answer. Um, but that's how to think about that. So I think we should stop there. There's some prashad at the at the new temple. Please go and take prashad. Shri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai Bhakti Mirad Paribar Ki Jai Sri Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai Bhakti Raktok Chila Dev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai Bhakti Sanat Sasti Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanande Gaur Premanande